0: As we go through medical training, there are bound to be mistakes. These medical errors are often a source of burnout and existential distress for healthcare professionals. Did the patient die because of something I did? Could I have done something differently? Today, we reflect together on medical mistakes and how to find a deeper sense of meaning in them and how to accept those things that are outside of our control. Welcome back to the Hippocratic Forum. I'm Daniel Laher. And I'm John Ree. So how was the moment of gratitude at the end of the day? And how was practicing separating out your goals into the levels of bronze, silver, or gold? As always, feel free to go back into our previous podcasts, since we often build on those uh, as we go into future podcasts. And today we wanted to speak a little bit about medical errors because we thought it stems well from our previous topic on hope. And it's also such an important topic to discuss because We rarely talk about it, yet it has a huge impact on those of us going through
1: training. I agree. It's a very important topic, John, and all of us entered medicine in order to heal, and so it can be devastating to a person to feel that they may have caused some type of harm to a patient. However, research shows that the third leading cause of death in the United States is medical errors, and therefore all of us at one point in time will inevitably be part of a medical error. And I've personally seen the toll that
0: internalizing medical errors can have on other residents, myself included. I mean, I still clearly remember I was consulted on a patient who was transferred from an outside hospital for a bleed when he arrived in our emergency room. And specifically, he was having a bleed in the cerebellum. So when he arrived, he was awake, he was following commands. I mean, he looked really great other than having some nausea and vomiting but he was on a blood thinner, and so I had done the typical things that you would recommend in the setting of a brain bleed. Blood pressure control, going through any reversible factors of bleeding and addressing them, and then repeating a scan to make sure that the bleed's not expanding, doing frequent neuro checks, and giving medications to decrease the swelling in the brain. And when he arrived, he looked so great, and so I asked that the medications be given to him to decrease the swelling in the brain, since that cerebellum is a very tight area, and All of the cerebrospinal fluid goes through the fourth ventricle, which when it closes off abruptly, it can cause herniation and immediate death. So I found out that he hadn't been given the reversal agents prior to his transfer, so I had asked that that agent be given, and he was brought to the scanner for a repeat CAT scan of the head to make sure that the blood wasn't worsening. But when he got back, he was suddenly no longer responding, so the emergency room doctors decided to quickly intubate him, and as they were starting, his heart suddenly stopped and they provided CPR for about 15 minutes without any return. And as I was going through all the things that could have happened, I realized that he had never gotten the reversal agent or the medications decreasing the swelling before going for the repeat CAT scan. And I felt guilty that perhaps I should have stopped them from going, or maybe I should have been more aggressive about getting him those medications before he went to the scanner, maybe lying flat, acutely increased the pressure in his brain. It was a very stressful experience for me. And I continue to remember the whole
1: sequence of events very clearly. Thanks for sharing that, John. There's a historic example in my field, a real major medical error made it by a fellow in oncology at a major cancer center who miswrote several zeros on a chemotherapy order, leading to the delivery of several orders of magnitude higher doses of chemotherapy to a patient than had been planned. This overdose actually led to the patient's death, a major lawsuit, and quite a dramatic recovery in media issues for the institution itself where this happened. And as you can imagine, that fellow and the attending's careers were quite affected by this. More importantly, at that institution to this day, decades later, fellows still cannot write chemotherapy orders, which is also in a sense a missed learning opportunity now that there are clearly more safety checks, electronic order entry systems, and oversight by attendings in general. But this is just an example that this is a long history that we have with us of medical errors, and they often have ramifications far into the future. We certainly don't want to commit those errors, but there's always something we can learn from them when they happen, whether large or small.
0: And the reason why this is so important is that, of course, the primary victim of any medical error, even if it's a small one or a near miss, is the patient. And it's still important, though, that physicians also suffer greatly from medical errors, and Research shows that medical errors have substantial negative effects on the mental and emotional well-being of physicians, including guilt, shame, anxiety, fear, depression, symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, and even suicidality, as well as people leaving the profession of medicine forever, despite the long and costly road that is medical training. And That's why we felt it was so important to address this topic.
1: We just want to preface this by saying that today's podcast is by no means trying to minimize the effects that medical errors can have on the individual, both the patient and family members as well as the physician, nurse, other healthcare professionals involved. However, what we want to focus on today is what to do once a medical error has occurred and how to not get caught in this downward spiral of depression and shame after a medical error. To do this, we felt there are three areas to address within medical errors. One is a deeper understanding of ourselves. Two, perfectionism and setting positive goals. And three, finding growth among challenges. As you can tell, these are principles we have spoken about in our prior podcast, and you'll find that we will continue to come back to these principles, applying them to different aspects of medicine and medical training.
0: Thanks, Danny. So to address the first point, a deeper understanding of self, as Danny mentioned, we have already discussed the importance of this in our podcasts on finding time for meditation and reflection at dedicated moments throughout the day. And if you haven't already, we'd say go back and listen to that podcast, as this is one of the many reasons why consistency in the practice of meditation is so important, because when a bigger crisis comes, then you will have a space where you could go in order to find that peace and process, and that's much harder to do if you decide to meditate only when something big happens. But what do we mean when we say a deeper understanding of self? Danny, do you want to
1: take this on? Sure John, I would say there are two aspects to this. The first is our ideals, a return back to the reasons why we went into medicine in the first place, ourselves, and those ideals that we wish to be known by when we have died. These ideals help us to put into perspective a larger picture, that despite this medical error, the larger picture is that I have come into this profession to serve others, and that I've served many other patients and families to the best of my ability. And that this care and love that I want to provide to patients is what defines me not this particular error. The second aspect is the recognition of fallibility, as well as the fact that medicine is teamwork. Throughout our training, we're repeatedly told that we are the ultimate decision makers, and therefore, when something goes wrong, we feel totally and completely responsible. Yet, it is important to recognize that we are also just human. We may want to be more, and in our minds, we may think we are more, but to accept that we cannot be completely infallible is to see ourselves as who we truly are and to be honest with that and actually to be happy with that, because it also is what makes us who we are, and is through the mistakes that we can find deeper meaning in our work. The pain and suffering caused
0: by medical mistakes are what makes us human, and that it feels terrible to have potentially caused harm when all we wanted to do was heal. But errors are a part of medicine, and there is no way to eliminate all errors. In fact, elimination of all errors is not human, and though we should strive to decrease errors, and to expect for, though elimination, is to seek an unreachable goal. And that leads to a loss of self and
1: understanding of who we are. And that leads to the second part, which is perfectionism and setting positive goals. Often I find that after a medical error, people will try to set their goal of avoiding all errors possible. Now, I want to clarify this. This does not mean that trying to learn from our mistakes is a bad thing. We should certainly do so. But if we go through medical training with the ultimate goal of not making mistakes, then we don't really leave room for ideals and personal growth, and this can contribute to burnout. The fear of making mistakes is not equivalent to the positive goal of providing the most and best service to patients and families. The former constricts and is avoidance, whereas the latter opens wide all possibilities of tremendous
0: growth. Thanks, Danny. And that's why we feel that perfectionism is actually dangerous, because oftentimes perfectionism is Both setting these unrealistic goals, making ourselves or seeing ourselves as more than human, but also setting goals of avoidance rather than growth. And the reference point ends up remaining that thing in the past that we are haunted by rather than all of the care that we provide to
1: all of those patients current and in the future. That's right, John, and one additional point is that something that we can also borrow from the work of Dr. Kevin Majors, in that we often focus too much on outcomes in medicine and not enough on the process. Dr. Majors talks about this idea of bonds over outcomes. In other words, that we should focus on the people and the relationships we're building and the processes of our work and how to improve that rather than purely on a set numerical or specific outcome. And I think that ties perfectly into the last point,
0: Danny, which is finding growth and challenge that through this difficult time, the important thing is to find opportunities for growth and not set goals simply out of decreasing, and for example, an X number of deaths, which is still a good goal to have, but perhaps not the type of goal for moving past the medical error. But how can I do my work in a certain way to better serve my patients, which includes perhaps a checklist of a standardized flow of what should happen, for example, in a brain bleed, with the ultimate goal being, how can I do my best for each individual patient and not focusing on number of successful surgical resections or uncomplicated cabbages or central lines, but rather on the bond and that relationship with the patient.
1: One additional thought is it's also important to recognize that we do not falsely place all the responsibility on ourselves, which is also placing ourselves on a much higher level than when we really are at. Medicine is a team sport, and to see oneself as the make-or-break person is also a reflection of pride, which is important to recognize when things go well, too that we do not think it is all due to our own efforts, but that any successful patient care is due to all the healthcare professionals that were part of a particular patient's healthcare journey.
0: And we still encourage
1: sessions for debriefing, and here we challenge
0: senior residents, fellows, attendings that might be listening to this podcast that this may be an area of growth and ideals for you as well, that you have a systematic way in which you also look out for those below you who may have had such a traumatic experience from a medical error, and that you ensure that this person is taken care of, that there's a space given to process, that you share the burden of your experiences of medical errors as well. And once again, the focus here is for future growth, and it's always within the relationships that bond with the resident. As those types of care and relationships that you offer and form in the end will help that particular person grow from that challenge into being that physician they want to be rather than one that is driven by fear.
1: One last point is to remember, because we're entering medicine to serve, and complications are bound to happen, that we must also think of the consequences of not doing something. To be a good physician means weighing both sides, including the risk of doing something versus not doing something, and that usually doing something will involve additional risks.
0: Yeah, and thanks for bringing that up, Danny, because we sometimes place much more emphasis on complications of procedures because it feels like you're solely responsible, but It's important to remember that the consequences of not doing the procedure is often more dire, and the acuity makes it feel worse, but in reality, in all medical decisions, whether it's to give or not give TPA for a stroke, knowing that it could turn into a hemorrhage, or whether or not to give an experimental chemotherapy that in the long run could shorten a patient's life due to side effects, part of medicine is to foresee and accept that there will be complications and that this is a part of medicine and that it must always be a means of growing stronger to form better bonds with patients and families rather than to isolate yourself further from them.
1: As always, we will leave you with a quote. Today by Atul Gawande in his book, Complications, A Surgeon's Notes on an Imperfect Science. He writes, quote, The core predicament of medicine, the thing that makes being a patient so wrenching, being a doctor so difficult, and being a part of a society that pays the bills they run up so vexing, is uncertainty. With all that we know nowadays about people and diseases and how to diagnose and treat them, it can be hard to see this, hard to grasp how deeply uncertainty runs. As a doctor, you come to find, however, that the struggle in caring for people is more often with what you do not know than what you do. Medicine's ground state is uncertainty, and wisdom for both the patients and doctors is defined by how one copes with it. So remember to email us at contact at HippocraticForum.org on any comments or
0: topics that you want to hear about, and feedback is also always welcome, as well as advice on how to implement any of the things we spoke about on our podcast. Thanks for listening, and see you next time on the Hippocratic Forum.